Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. My guest today is Kristen Bucktell, author and illustrator of Noteworthy Parenting, How to Use Your Own Ideas to Create Your Parenting Roadmap. She is passionate about inspiring parents to find their own unique ways of parenting by taking advice and tips that resonate with their style, noting them and parenting by them. Creating plans with her husband for their four now adult children was their best parenting tool. Kristen Bucktell lives in Westminster, Colorado, and enjoys hiking Colorado trails, drinking California wines, traveling with family, and taking her grandson to the Denver Zoo. Welcome, Kristen. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So I have read your book, Noteworthy Parenting, and I really wanted to figure out, I know from reading it, but I want you to start by telling our listeners what prompted you to write this book. Well, a couple things prompted me to write this book. First of all, it was the tool that my parent or my husband and I needed for parenting. We were on the verge of the teenage years. Daughter was approaching middle school at the time, and we just felt unprepared. There had been a lot of changes since we had been teenagers. And so we started talking about how we each were raised as teenagers and realized that there were a lot of differences between what the systems and rules were in his house and what they were in, in my house. And not that either way was right or wrong, but we realized that we were not going to be on the same page. And we really felt insecure about that approaching you know, the teenage years. So we started talking about the different aspects of raising, you know, our teens and, you know, things like dating and would they have a job and what, what topics did we want to make sure they knew about before they left the nest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wrote all of those plans down on a notebook. Uh, we were actually on a road trip at the time and my husband put them into a Word document on our computer, and we referred to them. We used other parenting books and other tools to add to our notes, and that's the first reason. The second reason is, as we talk to our friends and coworkers, you know, parenting topics come up, and we would mention, oh, yeah, we wrote notes about that because we were concerned about that particular topic, too, and everybody wanted to see our notes, not because we had the golden ticket to parenting, but because they liked the idea that there was, you know, a way to put their plans down so that they could refer to them. And lastly, I was a first grade teacher. And during parent teacher conferences, parents would say, you know, occasionally come in and they'd have an issue with their child and they had followed this particular book or class to the letter, but were still struggling with the same issue. And all they really needed to do was maybe tweak or do something just a little bit different than what the book or the class had recommended, and they were on their way. So it made me think that, you know, we're all looking for that perfect parenting 
class tool book, but really in essence, taking the pieces that work for you and putting them together to make it work for your parenting personality, your family's vibe is really the key to success. It's a book that I was apprehensive to write. I'm not an author, not an illustrator. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to have a very quick read for parents so they could get to the important stuff Mm -hmm. and read the important parenting books that are out there. You know, pictures worth a thousand words. So I added the pictures. It adds a little humor. I think it gives it the vibe of you don't need to be perfect. (laughs) I'm looking at my drawings. That's very clear. And, you know, I encourage them to read it with a pen so that they can start getting their ideas down as they're reading through this book. You know, I did it as a tool for parents. It was a very helpful tool for us and many of the friends and family that we know and kind of a fun book to put out there. A little bit lighthearted on a topic that really causes a lot of us worry and anxiety, you know, raising our kids. So I really like two things you said. One is that you realized you needed this in the teen years because I've had so many clients and even friends say that, you know, they were just chugging along great in parenting and then sort of everything they were that worked in the elementary school years, starting in maybe the middle school years, wasn't really working. That like their model of parenting, whether it was it came from themselves or their parents or a book, it just kind of stopped working and it wasn't as intuitive anymore. And they needed new tools, which is what makes up a ton of my practice is those parents then coming in. So I do think things really shift at that stage. And then the second thing about this proactive kind of template of parenting, like what do we want to teach our kids and how can we combine that with our values, our goals, what kind of adults we want to raise. And that is different from family to family. I spend a lot of time in my parenting coaching and my husband and I did this. We did this when I was on bed rest, pregnant with my oldest son. I've talked about it on the podcast several times. We sat down and we wrote down our values and how we wanted to model those values for our children and teach them. And we came up with things like in your book, like in our house, when you're 15, you get a job, a part-time job. So you learn how to clock in and clock out. And you learn how to interview and you learn how to do taxes and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of had that plan going forward too. So I really, really loved it because it just supports so much of what, so much of the need that's out there and so much of what I see that I'm doing in practice. So I think it's very needed for parents today. One of the things I really like is you use this acronym for parents in the book, IDEAS. Can you talk about that acronym a little bit? Sure, sure. I wanted to make sure to actually pick the word first and to make into an acronym, and I wanted it to be empowering to parents, their ideas, their putting this together. And so it's, it's a little bit of the process of doing this and giving them structure to how to think about putting together their plans. So the I stands for imagine concerns or imagine your goals. And, you know, it's Great to imagine goals, but we need to take it a step further and make a plan so that we achieve those goals. And imagining concerns is never a hard thing for parents to do. We wake up in the middle of the night and all those concerns seem to be right there. So what we worry about and what we want to make sure we teach our kids. So brainstorming a list and picking, you know, maybe the first, the top two or three that you really want to focus on to start a parenting plan. And then the next one is D, and that is for developing strategies. So what tools do you need to develop strategies? Sometimes it's just 
a conversation with your spouse on how you want to move forward. Sometimes you need resources like a parenting book or a parenting class or um, any one of the many resources that we have available for parenting these days. You're, you know, even friends and family, et cetera, looking back to how you were raised, but developing how you want to move forward. And then E is next, and that's enlisting others, you know, having friends. Maybe you, you have somebody that you notice their child just loves to do science fair projects, but yet you struggle to get your child to do their science fair projects. Well, what tips and tricks do they have for you? You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time, and let's work together. I like to say, you know, parenting isn't about, well, let's see, how is it? It's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about teaming up with the Joneses. Let's oh, I team love up that. Together, yeah. you know? <laughs> Just had to find the right words. You know, so that's where enlisting others comes in. And then A is authoring your roadmap. So how is this tool going to be best used for you? Thinking about where do you want to write your notes? Is it in a notebook? Is it in a journal? Is it on your laptop or in an app? How is it going to be accessible to, to the parents that need uh, to refer back to it? You know, how do you want to take the notes? People ask me, how do you write your notes? Well, mine are a mess because I like to just scribble notes into a notebook. And my husband needed to take those notes and put them into a Word document because mm -hmm. he wanted it to be a little neater. Think about how you want that to look. It doesn't need to be a, a literary masterpiece. It does. It just needs to be the simple notes that get you, you know, along your path. Bulleted notes, words. Some people use spreadsheets. Whatever's comfortable for you. How do you want to author your roadmap? And lastly is S. And that stands for solutions. So you have your solutions that give you the confidence to parent the way you want to parent, but it's not, it doesn't end there. Those solutions may need updating and tweaking. As your kids get a little older, mm -hmm. they need to take on a little more responsibility. We as parents need to let go, you know, what are your plans for that? So that last piece is to remember to continue to monitor your solutions and to tweak and update them as needed. I love so that. that ideas. <laughs> I didn't know you did all the illustrations too. I'm really impressed. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, thank you. You know, they are definitely um, an ode to the sick person, but it was fun to do. <laughs> but it makes it comfortable. What made me think of that is it makes it comfortable to jot in there and write in there. And I think the book and the companion journal give you that opportunity to just have one starting place. And then, yeah, you can decide, do we type this up? You know, some families I work with do like a family mission statement and then type these things under them. So I love that. And that acronym is really helpful. It gives people a really clear step-by-step -step kind of approach. You also talk in the book about building a parenting network. And this is something, again, I hear in my practice all the time. I think moms and dads right now are particularly lonely and certainly some of that circumstantial with what we've all been going through in the last two years. But also I think some of it is people are very transient and move a lot and people work from home and people just kind of go in their house. They don't spend time with their neighbors. They don't live near family as much. I don't live near any family at all. So that's always been hard. So can you talk about the importance of a parenting network? And even maybe if you can offer one or two suggestions of how people can start to build it, because I think that's really hard to do. I would agree. I, you know, have to say this book launched in January of 2020. 
So uh, there are so many issues that really I touched the surface of, but really the deeper dive of it uh, has been experienced over (laughs) the past two years. And one of them is definitely the Parenting Network. So a parenting network is really parents that are in your world, your daily life, your world. So, you know, before COVID hit, that would be, you know, when you attend a PTA meeting or if you're sitting in the bleachers at your son's baseball game or your daughter's volleyball game or, you know, those people that you connect with, they may not all be your close, dearest friends. But sometimes as you're sitting in the, you know, the bleachers or at a meeting or out front of the school picking up your kids, you can pick up little tidbits of wisdom, you know, from those conversations. Of course, you have your close friends, your family that you have a deeper connection with and share a lot of your common values and and you have a deeper relationship with them. But relying on these people, I think, is important in this day and age because in past generations, change happened slowly. It was a very slow process. But in recent generations, we have such rapid change with everything in our society that we deal with. And it sneaks in on us. And we can't always look to previous generations or our parents to find answers for parenting. So we need a think tank. And a think tank could be these parents that are in the trenches with you. They are going to be brainstorming. They are going to be coming up with these creative ideas along with you. So having those conversations, I think, with people in your zone of parenting, or maybe even people that have kids that are a little older than yours is what we need. So how do we do that with, you know, the past two years? That's really, you know, it's, it's difficult. We're lucky on one end that we have the technology to connect with other people, which we wouldn't have had that a couple of generations prior. So maintaining relationships that are distant, if you have moved away, is still that's going to be an important piece. Getting out and meeting new people. I agree with you. First of all, right now it's crazy, but you know people are so busy that it's more difficult to do. But I like to say or, or to think that you know, connecting through activities that you enjoy. You know, do you uh, like to work out at the rec center? Do you run races in your community? Do you volunteer at a, a local shelter? Those are places that you can build, you know, relationships with people. And they may not have kids, but they may know others that do. So that's a way to branch out. Sure, with COVID, it's, you know, it, it, it definitely, you know, throws a monkey wrench into trying to get out there and, and really socialize. You know, one way to do it is to try and meet people, you know, in the summertime outside. We have those opportunities here in Colorado. You can hike, you can, you know, do a lot of outdoor activities and meeting people up around recreational type events and playgrounds, et cetera. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely a tough time for people to connect. It takes work to do that. But once you've met people that really make a difference and help you, you see the value to that. And you're so thankful to have that. It's worth it. It's worth it to go out there and meet new people. It is. One thing I've shared, I think I've shared it on the podcast as you were talking, this reminded me though, when my daughter was starting middle school, I started a book club of moms of 
girls in middle school. And I had two older sons that had been through middle school and high school, but I hadn't gone through the middle school years with a daughter yet. And so we picked five or six books that were all about raising teen girls and social media or self-esteem or friendships. And we read, I don't know if we got through all five books because it kind of dissipated, but it was just a way to kind of build support. So as we're going through these really entering these difficult years of parenting our daughters, that we would kind of have each other. And the books were sort of the vehicle to bring us together. We did a little book club and we would discuss them. And I'm not going to say right now, all our girls are in high school. And a couple of those moms are still the moms I go to when I need my parenting network and they come to me. Not all of us, you know, because we've all kind of gone to different schools now, but I just want to throw that out there as one more idea. And I didn't know all the moms. Like I didn't invite all of them. I maybe invited one or two and told them to invite one or two. So it was kind of because it is hard sometimes to to have access to all of those people. But if you know a friend and they know a friend that would want to do it. Oh, that is a fun idea. That That's a great idea. I will have to spread around because I... I think that, you know, you're solving so many issues right there. You, you can talk about parenting, plus you're meeting people right at a time when, like you said, a lot of people are feeling that anxiety. That's a great idea. And it fits perfectly with your book to look at all the resources, the expert and I'm saying that in air quotes, people can't see me, but um, expert resources and the research out there. And we looked at all of that and we talked about like, well, how's that going to fit in our inner city middle school or our private religious school or, you know what I mean? Cause we were all going to different middle schools, but kind of how does this fit with our values and our child? Cause you have to look at your child too. I mean, I did not parent all three of my children exactly the same because they're all different kids. And that's the problem with only listening to an expert parenting plan um, or the research is that doesn't work for every kid. And so creating those networks really helps you see that there are many, many ways of doing this well. No, I totally agree. And you're right. Poor kids, I didn't parent them all the same. That plan had to be tweaked as we went along. And exactly, they're all different. They have different interests, which was fun because I got to experience their activities that they love to do in high school. And they all did different things. So it was a joy. I got Isn't to I, great? We continue to learn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same here. So you talk in the book about the three gears of parenting. What are they and how do they tie into a parenting plan? So I felt like it was important to, you know, give parents a feel of how to spread their plan out. You know, sometimes you can't, it, it doesn't all just, you You write the plan and you teach them that in one day and then you move on to the next thing. Parenting is, you know, it's somewhat of a process. So the gears are there to remind us of like the gears in a clock. So one gear ticks, it moves the next gear, which moves the next gear. And the first gear is uh, family bonding. So family bonding is such an important part of parenting because to me, it's the foundation. It gives kids security that they belong in a family, in a community, through traditions and customs. It's a way for you to pass on your values and it builds trust. It builds relationship 
you know, it, it can happen in the pancake breakfast when you, that you have every Saturday morning and listen to dad jokes or watch cartoons. It happens then. It happens in the moments that you sit down and have talks with your kids about Im- important things. So having those moments are important. And sometimes you do need to plan for those can be part of your family goals. But those build that in relationship that gives you I don't want to I don't like the word power, but that's what's coming in my head right now, the power to then mentor and coach your child, which is the next gear. The next gear is coaching their behaviors. So included in that could be your discipline. It could, you know, be topics that you want to talk, you know, with your kids and share on maybe the sex talk or, you know, whatever those important things are that you want to mentor your kids. And and in that gear, I think it's always important to remind parents that, you know, when I was first a parent, I thought, hey, I've told them that three times and they're still not listening. <laughs> and then as I went back to school later to get my master's in teaching and teach, I realized, you know, you're not going to say it one time. You have to show them. You have to, you know, work with them and then you can let go. So, you know, it's the old saying, it's not the day you plant the seed, it's not the day you eat the fruit. So in in that in this particular gear is the time that it takes to mentor and teach your kids. And then the last gear it clicks into is letting go. And you know, letting go if you've taught your child say to set the table and you've worked with them and now they've got it down, you get to let go. That's now a, a their responsibility. Or letting go as they become teenagers and want to do their, you know, their choose their activities or, you know, what are those pieces that, you know, you have worked with your children on and it's time for them to move on into, you know, maybe even adulthood or as they go to college, et cetera, the letting go piece. So that's what the three gears of parenting are. And it just ties into your parenting plan. So that parents know there may be topics and things that you need to plan for over years. So the journal is set up by ages. So if, you know, if you are, say, you know, wanting to teach your children about, you know, volunteerism and you start at an elementary school, maybe reading a few books and exploring how you'd like to volunteer as a family, then maybe they get old enough to actually go volunteer with you at at a homeless shelter or whatever. And so it, it shows you that you need to kind of map things out. And at what point do you let go and see that your kids are taking over volunteerism on their own? Yeah. And that's the reward of parenting. I had a mom say to me one time, like, when's it all going to kick in all the work I'm doing? When am I going to see the results? And it is, it's, you know, it's, you're in it for the long game. You don't see them all the time. I love that saying of you don't eat the fruit the day you plant the seed, because that's, that's so true in parenting. And I also love what you said about, you know, the family bonding sets up sort of whether the coaching will be well received. You know, you said it gives you the power kind of to coach or mentor. And I think sometimes parents don't realize that is that if you haven't built that relationship, and I always tell people, think about your favorite teacher at school. You wanted so badly to do well in their class because you respected them. And the family bonding builds that respect and that trust and that foundation so that you actually 
respect your parents' opinion. You want them to coach you. You want them to mentor you versus if you just have the rules, the coaching, the guidance, you're not going to listen to it, you know, because it doesn't mean anything. You don't have that relationship. So I love those three sets. And then again, I mean, the letting go part. So many people I work with really struggle with the letting go part, but it's essential. Yeah. Yeah, it is a hard part. And I have a, people even that reach out to me on social media and talk about how it's really hard for them to do that. And, you know, if you're thinking ahead about that, how can you prepare? You know, I'm at the age where my kids are older. I'm a grandma. That letting go piece, you know, because I've had four kids, I, I've been somewhat okay with it. But I understand and appreciate the fact that it's hard. It's hard to do that. But if you're planning that gives you an opportunity to ponder and think about that before it comes. Mm -hmm. And would you like to pick up, you know, hobbies or what, (laughs) you know, what do you want to do with that time when you're an empty nester and to look ahead at kind of that bigger picture of letting go? Well, I started the podcast because I had a whole lot more time. You wrote the book, (laughs) you know, you, and I do find that men and women, but a lot more women come to me and the ones that have some outside interest, whether it's a hobby, whether it's paid work, whether it's volunteering, something that they're passionate, even if it's, you know, physical exercise, they do a whole lot better with the letting go because they do have other things to fill their time. And again, I'm not, it's not a, you know, staying at home working mom. It's not a working versus not working mom thing. It's a, do you have interests and passions in addition to your family and your children? Because it gets a little bit easier to let go if you do. Yeah. To think ahead about those things, plan Mm -hmm. for them, look forward to them. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. In one of the chapters, you say that parents have to examine themselves and their own emotions as we kind of talk about this, because letting go kind of fits into this. And boy, this is something I really see, particularly in like yelling or overreacting, but in all aspects of parenting. So how have you seen emotions impact parenting and where should people start if they feel like their own emotions are negatively impacting their parenting? Well, it it was funny because as I started putting um, the notes together for this book, I had a group of people I reached out to, to, and some people I didn't know real well personally. I wanted different opinions on different chapters and things. And one young dad came to me and said his children weren't quite in school yet. And he said he felt like um, that parenting pulled out so many emotions in him. And he was shocked by how emotionally, you know, he, he, how many emotions he experienced and um, how deeply, whether it was happiness, joy, anger, sadness, um, anxiety, worry. And he's like, you know, my kids haven't even started school yet. And that really was an eye-opening comment to me because in thinking back over my parenting, that it's so true. It's so true. And everybody's going to feel these emotions differently. I wasn't one that cried as my kids went off to kindergarten. I, I was excited for them. However, in high school, the second they hit the volleyball court and that pumped up music was playing, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, wow, we're already here. And how cool is this? And, and I was overwhelmed. Um, of course, anxiety, of course, worry and yelling and all the things. I think the most important thing to remember is awareness of our emotions. 
I didn't always have that. Yes, I fell into yelling, you know, and, and some of it was, you know, it, it, I always loved that, you know, this one day, all the windows are open in the house, in the neighborhood, and the kids are upstairs. And I'm like, hey, all of you guys get down here. But we need to do a 10 minute tidy. Someone's coming over, you know, and, and it was like, I'm yelling at them, you know, get down here to help clean the house. And I thought, wow, I could have really done that in a better, you know, frame of mind. I was worried. We did, we were on, you know, a short time frame. Someone was going to stop by and the house is cluttered and I needed help. I needed to rally the truth. I feel that, you know, in, in going back and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't really need to to yell you all downstairs and the whole neighborhood knows now that we have a clean house. So that's great. <laughs> but, you know, and telling the kids, I'm sorry, I felt worried. I wanted to make sure we got this done. You know, I really didn't need to yell at you to come downstairs. I think that's one thing. I think we can get in a rut though. We can get in a rut where, you know, we're stuck in constantly yelling because we are exhausted, we're tired, we're overwhelmed. Or we can just get into a rut too, where the opposite is true. We're overwhelmed and we have a hard time moving. We have a hard time acting on things. And I am not uh, a psychologist, a counselor in any way, shape or form, just a mom and just saying those feelings happen. And when we get stuck in those, it's important to reach out, whether it is to seek some help with a counselor, a therapist. That's what they're there for. Those are tools. Those are people in your parenting network that, you know, we need to use. They're resources for us. So at the point where you feel you can't pull it back in or it's affecting your kids and you start realizing it and the kids will let you know, they will say. They, a lot of times, you know, mom, you really, you're really angry all the time or mom, you know, why don't you ever want to come down and watch a movie with us or whatever it may be. Those are the red flags and it's good for you. I'm not saying this is necessarily part of, you know, being good for your parenting. That is a side benefit from it. But for you yourself, especially with all the stress and chaos that's happened in the last two years of COVID, boy, you know, stress. Trauma, depression, anxiety, all of those things, we need help balancing that out for sure. Yeah, because the messages that you got as a kid, they kind of ooze out when you become a parent. And they ooze out sometimes in overreaction and feeling overwhelmed, sometimes in yelling. I have a, a video on my Instagram page about yelling and I'm a recovering yeller. My mom yelled so much that she actually had to have surgery. She got like nodes on her vocal cords. She was a yeller. I grew up on the East Coast and she was a yeller. So that was kind of my model. And I I saw early on and it was the same sort of things like pick up the house, you know, come help me. And, or if we were running late because we were never late in my family. You know, we were 10 minutes early for mass on Sunday or wherever we were 10 minutes early. And so I found that's when I was yelling. And when I looked back at that, my childhood patterns and kind of processed all that, like you said, became aware of it. I was, it it wasn't overnight. I'm not going to pretend that it was, but I was able to change those patterns. But you're right. The first step is being aware of them because before I wasn't really aware of it, I was just an autopilot. I was just doing what instinctually kind of happened in the moment. I was being reactive rather than proactive. And when I stopped and really looked at my own emotions, my own past, my parents and how they parented us, I could be really intentional 
moving forward and make changes. And like anything, like working out or learning a new hobby or a new skill, it took some time. And that's just one example because it can show up in many ways. It can show up in over-parenting and helicopter parenting. It can show up in sort of being a permissive parent and wanting to be your child's best friend. It doesn't always show up, you know, in an emotion. Your emotions can show up in a style too. Oh, for sure. You know, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And I have heard on your other podcasts, you know, references that if I only knew this, you know, <laughs> the beginning, but of course, we have the journey for a reason. And that's good to have the journey. But yes, going back, if I, you know, if, if it, all the magical powers could work, and I think going back to school to becoming a teacher was so enlightening on so many fronts for me as a parent. And I often thought, boy, you know, if I would have, uh, you know, had all these tools to maybe think about my parenting style and those kinds of things, you know, it would have looked different. That may have been good or bad. I, I, no one can say. Yeah. And I guess my (laughs) point of kind of sharing those things are to tell people, none of us are doing it perfectly. Sometimes I actually cringe when I see the video of me talking about yelling and I admit like my ugliest moments of parenting, but I think I would be so hypocritical if I didn't that even, even people who've studied this their whole life, like I have and help other people, we make mistakes, mistakes because of that question I just asked you, because our own emotions do impact our parenting. And the only way to get better at that is to take a hard look in the mirror and possibly, probably for a lot of people, get some professional help doing that. Because even if you're not stuck, sometimes you are too close to it to see. I've sometimes just asked one question and the light bulb goes off for moms that haven't seen, you know, 15 years of how something's impacted their parenting because we're almost too close to see it in ourselves. Oh, you're right. And you're busy with so many things, you know, cooking dinner or getting homework together with the kids or whatever it may be that you aren't even really realizing. That's what's awesome. That's why my favorite, honestly, my favorite thing to do is in my practice, help moms with this because the change begins immediately. Once you're aware, the change begins immediately. And in other work that I do, it's much slower. Forgiveness is slower. Repairing your marriage is slower. But sometimes this awareness and how your emotions impact your parenting, the change happens, you know, it starts to happen pretty right away, which is so rewarding. I'm going to shift gears here. You talk about parenting peer pressure in the book. And boy, I see this and comparison, right? So what do you mean by that? And and what do we need to look out for? Well, don't we all think that once we leave high school, that peer pressure is in the rear view mirror? I mean, I think I felt that way. I thought, okay, that's great. I'm past that. And I also think peer pressure is such a big deal as uh, you enter, that is why parents worry so much as they approach the teenage years. But really, as parents, we have, again, it's subtle. I feel that it's an underlying current, but it happens in a couple of ways. One, of course, you know, media and, you know, parent, you know, they come out and they say, oh, here's the latest thing to worry about. And then you think, well, if you aren't worrying about that, then you're a bad parent. Or if you aren't, you know, doing your best to take care of things, or if your kids make a choice 
and then you feel responsible and people are looking at you. There's that, you know, comparison piece as well. But oftentimes, you know, people have different values and different ways that they want to mentor their kids. And you run into that because it it conflicts. So, you know, an example I have is my husband traveled a lot. He was gone during the weeks and we had with four kids, everyone, they, they had an activity or two, but we didn't have more than that because I couldn't manage (laughs) just the carpooling alone was crazy. And our schedule was busy and it was crazy. And so I wasn't one that was open to having a random play dates. You know, so the kids would run out after school was over and I want to go over to to Sally's house. You know, I would talk with the kids and say, I don't, that's great. Yes, let's plan some play dates. Let's put them on the calendar. But when you run out and you say, I want to do it today. And, you know, that's, that doesn't work for our family right now because we have other things going on and I can't add one more thing to that, you know, the evening. And other parents would be like, oh, come on, just let her come over. And I was always taken back by that because I thought, as parents, shouldn't we be on the same team? Shouldn't we say, oh, okay, you know, yes, let's just, you know, can you do it Thursday or can you, you know, whatever. And there were a couple of times with different issues and it wasn't even just me. It would be, I would see that happening, you know, as I was a teacher, I would see it happening, you know, with sports and, and different, oh, you're not going to put your child in that extra pitching practice. Why not? Why aren't you get well, you know, maybe people can't do it for financial reasons, or maybe they can't do it because it doesn't fit into their calendar, or they feel it's not necessary. But there's that kind of underlying current if you aren't doing things a certain way. I think as parents, we should look at each other as somewhat being on the same team. You know, if one parent wants to do something a little bit different, okay. And boy, we're really in the thick of that right now, aren't we? We're really oh, in the yeah. thick of my heart just goes out to them because there's so many different aspects to this when, and you put in school into the mix and what they feel comfortable with or what's, what works for their family or what that, you know, I mean, it's just all over the place that raises a lot of insecurity, anger. I can, I just can't even for parents right now, but my heart goes out to them. Yeah, it's hard. And there is that judgment component to it too. I always tell people like, Nobody's that interested in all of your parenting decisions. You know, we think if we say the wrong thing, everybody's listening, but people tend to be kind of focused on their own families and they don't have as much time to judge, but we feel like they are. And certainly I think with things today, people are more than ever. I love that you call it an underlying current because I have a saying that I use all the time and it's on my Instagram feed. If you're parenting well, it often feels like you're swimming upstream. And I tell parents that because if you're going along with the current on everything, you're probably not making decisions based on your family values, on what's best for your child. You're just kind of doing what everybody else is doing. And I think to parent well, you have to really stop and say, okay, everybody else is doing this, but is that right for us? You know, and your example of the play dates is a great one. Social media, when your child's mature enough or ready enough, 
emotionally for that. With socializing now or in the past with COVID, what are the health conditions in your house that might look very different from what's in everybody else's house? I think of that a lot with video games. You know, I have so many parents that will say, well, if I don't let my child play, they're going to be the only one. They're going to be left behind. They're not going to have any friends. And I mean, that's a great example of parenting peer pressure. I hear my practice constantly. And I just am thankful that my kids are out of that phase of life because that's tough. But you've got to just hold your ground and be confident that you're doing what's best for your family and best for your child. And it is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. I'm so glad you put that in the book. Well, it it, it went along with that emotional piece. And I felt like it's one of the reasons that having a plan is so helpful because you're actually writing it down and, and you're thinking about it. And you've, I think that kind of cements in your confidence to stick with what your plans are, whether or not that's what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. The book is called Noteworthy Parenting, How to Use Your Own Ideas to Create Your Parenting Roadmap. And I will put a link to it in the show notes and in my link tree. And you have an Instagram and that's how I met you. So can you share your Instagram handle too? Sure. It's at Noteworthy Parenting. And I'm on Facebook as well and have a website, noteworthyparenting.com. So come and visit me. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes. And yeah, I highly encourage you to check it out because you, you share a lot of great stuff, your own stuff and other people's, which is wonderful. So it was so great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area.